I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 as we're getting settled in here. Uh, We're going to be looking at this passage and several others this morning as a part of this message. And today we're going to be looking at the last uh, of these four subjects we've been talking about in this parenting series. We're going to be talking about the idea of blessing our sons and daughters and how do we do that. Um, Again, we're coming to the end of our series on parenting here, but this summer we're going to be having a summer Sunday school class that continues this theme of helping us in terms of working with our children, our sons and daughters, and ideas that we can use in that. So I encourage you to participate in that. Also, it'll be the last Sunday for our book table that's been out here in the foyer. So if you've been thinking about a book you wanted to get, today would be the day to do it. And there are several good ones. In fact, the message that I'm going to be sharing this morning, really a a good part of that comes from the book The Blessing that was written by Gary Smalley and John Trent. And uh, that's one of those books that's available out there. Some of the other information I've used is from the book Bringing Up Boys by James Dobson, excellent resource. And there are some great devotionals out there that you can do as a family and with your children. So check it out and uh, purchase one of those and then you can come and pick them up later after we order them. Again, this morning I'm going to be talking about the blessing. And this has been a very important subject for me. Uh, That book, The Blessing, just touched my heart. We did it as a men's study probably 15, 20 years ago almost now. And uh, it was just a very eye-opening concept as I understood how important that was for our children. You see, all of us long to be accepted by others. Words of approval, affirmation, and acceptance are very important to us, especially from our parents and in particular from our father. I know that many times I've been addressing the importance of fathers here, and I'm not picking on you know us as men. I'm just saying that that is really, really important, that we as fathers understand these concepts. So much of a child's image of God is shaped by their relationship with their father, for good or for bad. That's just the way it is, and that's why it's so important that as men we understand our role. But it is important for children to have that blessing and affirmation from both of their parents. If a person does not receive his or her father's blessing, they may be driven to find it for the rest of their life. And they may search for it in all of the wrong places. There are times when kids act out or they get involved in inappropriate relationships because they're searching for someone that's going to give them that love and acceptance that they really wanted to find from their father and their parents, but they didn't get. If their father's words were critical, they may be driven to prove them wrong. There are some very successful businessmen whose fathers said to them, that you will never amount to anything. And they kept hearing and keep hearing that track in their mind that you're no good or you're not going to amount to anything. And they want to prove their father wrong and so they are driven to be successful. And yet that hole remains in their heart. The statistics in this area are not very good. Uh, James Dobson writes, that only 34% of all children will grow up in a home with both parents for 18 years. Isn't that amazing? I mean, sometimes the world we operate in, we know so many people that are happily married that we think, well, that's just the way it is for everybody. 
And yet only 34%, one-third of all children, are going to grow up in homes with both parents for 18 years. What does that do for a child? Again, how does a young boy learn what it means to be a man or a husband or a father? It's primarily through the relationship with his dad. And how does a young girl grow up to know what it means to be a woman or a wife or a mother? Through the relationship with her mom, primarily. In divorced homes, one half of all fathers will never see their children again after three years. Maybe on a rare occasion, but there's no regular involvement of the father in their life after three years. That's sad. That, that is really sad. Josh McDowell calls being a father the most important job in the world. Yet even in evangelical churches, as they have done their studies, 54% of teens and preteens say that they seldom or never talk with their dad about their personal concerns, compared with 26% who say that they seldom or never talk with their mom about their personal concerns. And so here we are, even among a church such as us, there are a lot of kids who say that they never have a heart-to-heart talk with their dad about anything. And it shouldn't be that way. 42% say they seldom or never do something special with their father that involves just the two of them. Going out together, doing a, a date, going for a meal, doing a, going to a movie even, or going out to uh, do a camping trip or an overnight or something like that where there's some special activity together. Yet on the flip side, that same study reveals that youth who are very close to their parents and to describe their relationship in that that way, they are far more likely to feel very satisfied with their life. They are more likely to abstain from sexual intercourse. They are more likely to espouse biblical standards of truth and morality. They are more likely to attend church. They are more likely to read their Bible consistently. They are more likely to pray daily. It really does make a difference. The closeness of that relationship that a child or a student has with their parents is going to show in their life. That's what we would expect. And that's what we see. If a child grows up with their parents' love and affirmation, they will feel richly blessed, more than they know, more than they understand. In fact, they're going to grow up thinking that this is just normal. It's the way that you treat people. It's the way that that a family works. Because so much of it is caught by the example of what they see. And they will carry that blessing into all of their other relationships. It's going to affect their friendships. It's going to affect their future marriage or their role as parents. I mean, it's just powerful what happens when a child grows up in that kind of home where there are those loving relationships and they understand from the start what it means to be a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad. So what is the blessing that we are talking about? I want to give just a brief definition at the beginning here. But the blessing is a verbal or written affirmation of our children. It is one of the most powerful ways that we can communicate our love and acceptance to them. And so it is something that we say or something that we may write in a letter to them. It's that kind of affirmation of them and who they are and how God has made them. It's more than just words. It will be backed up by actions. But generally it's that spoken or written word to our children. 
Now, where is this concept found in the Scriptures? Well, it comes out of the Old Testament, and it begins with God Himself in this passage that we're going to look at to start with this morning. For example, in Genesis 12, 1-3, God gave His blessing to Abram. And let's take a look at it, and let me read it for you. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What was going on here? Well, here is God calling Abraham out from his people into a relationship with the one true God. And he said, Abraham, I want you to follow me and I want you to trust me. I love you. I have a plan for your life, if you will. I have a very special plan. That through you, all the nations of the earth are one day going to be blessed. And I'm going to place my hand upon you and I'm going to guide you all the days that you walk with me. Abraham didn't know what all of that meant. He did not know that what God was talking about was that through him would come the line of the Messiah, God's very own Son, to be our Savior. Abraham just knew that God had pictured this special future for him. And Abraham's part was to walk in obedience and trust him. And God says, do that and I will bless you. So here's an example of God seeking out an individual upon whom he places his blessing. In Judaism, it was common for fathers to bless their sons. And we see that also in the book of Genesis. For example, in Genesis 27, Isaac, the patriarch, will bless his sons, Jacob and Esau. Only there's a twist that takes place here as Jacob comes in and steals his father's blessing from Esau. And when Esau learns that Jacob had stolen his father's blessing, he wept over his loss. Those words were spoken and they could not be taken back. And it was all part of God's providence, again, what was going on there. But again, in Genesis 48 and 49, Jacob shortly before his death, will call in his sons. And he will place his hands and he will bless them. He will bless Joseph and Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then he goes one by one through each of his other sons and blesses them according to how the Lord has spoken to him. Now in those examples of Isaac and Jacob giving the blessing, there is this word of prophecy that's not a part of our blessing today as we give those things. God was speaking through them in a very direct way because they too were in that line of Christ and He had a plan for what He was working out through them. But this example of a father blessing his sons or daughters is seen there in the Scripture. Another example is found in Numbers 6, verses 22 to 27 where we see God instructed the priest to bless his people. Again, it, it said here, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. And say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. You've heard those words many times. 
They are spoken at the end of many services. I've used them here as well as a benediction or a final prayer where God says, I want you to bless my people and place my name upon them. And that's where this idea of a benediction came from, the blessing that God gives. It's why I use different passages of Scripture as we end our service and I pray them over you as a part of God's blessing on His people. And then one other example, we see it also in the New Testament in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, where Jesus blessed the little children. We use that every time we have a baby dedication at our church. It's the example where the parents were bringing their children to Jesus so that He might bless them. And what did Jesus do? He took the little children in His arms, He put His hands upon them, and He blessed them. He prayed for them, and He spoke a word over them. And so we follow that same custom whenever we do a baby dedication in our church to speak a word of blessing upon the children and for their families as well. Well, what did this blessing include? Well, Gary Smalley and John Trent in their book list five things that were a part of the blessing. First of all, it included meaningful touch. The blessing was usually done with the laying on of hands, that they would place their hands upon the children. And in a Jewish home, when they would bless their children, it might be at a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah, as a son or daughter came of age at around age 13, and they would come. As that child was sitting at the table, the father would get up, and he would come around behind the child, and he would place his hands upon their head, and he would speak a word over them and pray for them as a blessing was given to them. There's a very good example there of how those special occasions in a child's life can be so significant when we pray for them and affirm how God is working in their life or their uniqueness, their individuality. Kids need that. They need meaningful touch. A pat on the back, an arm around the shoulder, a hug. Young children love to sit on their parents' laps or snuggle and read a good book together. Boys love to wrestle on the floor. They love it when dads get down there and tussle around with their sons and are involved in that kind of activity. And there are special occasions that we can observe as a child grows. Robert Lewis has written a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight, and he talks about those rites of passage that a father can do with a son on special things that are steps along the way, whether it's uh, common ordinary activities like when you take your son fishing or hunting, or whether it's a stage in their life when they are growing up and there's a time when you meet with them in a special way and you pray for them. There are fathers who with their daughters have... Uh, gone out on a date at an age where they turn 16 and they have talked about the importance of purity, about saving yourself until that day when you meet that right guy that's going to come into your life and you are married. And they've given to their daughters a purity ring as a symbol of that commitment that they have made to stay pure and to keep themselves until that time when they are married. Those Activities or actions on our part can be so significant in shaping our sons and daughters. The second thing that it included was a spoken message. There are words of love and affirmation that are spoken. Silence communicates confusion to a child. 
A child needs to know where they stand. It is amazing the messages that kids pick up when there is silence in a home. I've known children that have gone through a home where there's been a divorce and the child was convinced that they were the reason. That they were at fault. They were the reason for their parents' divorce. They internalized the message in that way even though they were not the reason at all. I know kids that think that silence means that you don't like me or you don't think much about me or you don't want to spend time with me. There are certain words that every child needs to hear from you as a parent. They need to hear, I love you. They need to hear, I'm proud of you. They need to hear, you are good at this or that, where you affirm the things that they are good at. And you recognize how God is working in their life. That leads to the third part of the blessing is attaching high value. And this would include honor and acceptance. It's helping a child to see that he is uniquely made by God and of great worth to Him. We try to communicate that in our church through our children's ministries. And we talk about how and we sing songs that relate to how much God loves you and He has a plan for your life and you are precious to Him. God knows your name. He knows you personally. He knows everything about you. Psalm 139 says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made made in the image of God, made to reflect His grace and His glory in our world. And so as a parent, we can and need to communicate that value that God places upon our children in the way that they are made. At the men's retreat this weekend, the speaker was talking about something similar, and he shared that um, studies have shown that about 85% of a child's Character and values are shaped by the time they are six years old. That in those early years, the impressions are so great. Those kids are just like a sponge, you know. They're just soaking up everything. By the time they're six years old, about 85% of their character and values are shaped already as they see things in your example. And he said also about half the time that you will spend with your child is in those first six years. Because once they get into school or activities and and going, you know, the time that you spend with them diminishes. Once they turn 16, get a car, it goes down even more, you know, and they start driving and they're spending more time with their friends. So make the most of the time that you do have with them, especially in those early years, because it passes so quickly. Fourth, the blessing also includes picturing a special future. And this involves discernment on our part to see how God has made them and to encourage them to follow God's leading. Proverbs 22.6 says that we are to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That idea of training up a child, uh, Chuck Swindoll has talked about, involves discerning their bent, discerning the way that God has made them, their gifts, their abilities, their passions, their interests, and as a parent, encouraging them along those lines. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
God has a plan for each one of us. And children need encouragement to figure out what is that for them. I mean, as they get older, and we're talking our sons, even though they are out of high school and college now, and they're trying to figure out what it is that God wants them to do with their life. We are there. Our role changes. We can't tell them what to do. We are consultants, if you will. If we're asked for advice or counsel, we can share that. But you know, they need to make their own choices, and they are. And we're just there to encourage and pray for them and help them to recognize the gifts that God has given to them. Sometimes as a parent, that means we have to let go of our dreams. You know, there are times when we may have ideas of things that we would like our sons and daughters to do or to be. I remember when Matt was in ninth grade, he was the starting tailback on the football team. And I enjoyed watching him got into his sophomore year in high school and he decided he didn't want to play football anymore and that was hard for me I I wrestled with that you know how hard do you push should I encourage him to do that because I knew when I played football in high school 10th grade was the worst year Uh, basically you held the tackling dummies in our school and you were part of the tackling dummy for the juniors and seniors you know as they were practicing and if you survived that year, you know, then the payback came when you were a junior or senior and you could, you know, kind of take things out on the sophomores. But it was a rite of passage. Now, do you, do you push your child to do that and say, you know what, you, you need to do this, you have to do this? Or do you say, the decision's yours? And part of what tipped the scales for me was knowing Matt instead wanted to work at his music. He loved playing guitar, and God was developing those gifts in him. And he wanted to do more in that area. And he also took up soccer as a sport that he was enjoying, and that was just starting in our schools. And so we said, that's okay. We saw the way God had made him. And today, he's in seminary, and one of the things that he's thinking about is being a worship pastor. You know, you just you don't know. And so it takes discernment as a parent when to push, say, no, you need to do this, and when not to. You know, and sometimes parents have overstepped their bounds, and there are people who always wanted to pursue a certain occupation or profession, and their parents disapproved of that. And there are adults who still wish that they could have done that, but at the time their parents were pushing another direction. And so we've got to pray as we seek God's will in those things. And finally, uh, it takes active involvement. That is part of the blessing as well. Words alone cannot communicate the blessing. They need to be backed up with action. And this involves listening well. It involves being available when our kids want to talk and listening to their hopes and dreams and fears and things that they're working out in their life. It involves being there when they need help and encouragement along the way. So I'd ask you as a parent, you know, when is that time for you? When do your kids open up most? Are they early risers? Or is it late at night? Is it after school when they first get home and they want to share about their day? Everybody's a little different. We had one son that was an early riser and I'd go out to breakfast with him and we'd talk. And we have our other sons that enjoyed doing something in the evening or later. And that was the time to talk. You know, and it's really figuring that out with your child's own uniqueness and 
Some of you have learned and you practice setting a date night or a time with your kids where individually you do something. And that's a great habit or thing to do to set those special times. Because one of the greatest blessings, again, one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our children is our blessing. Our wholehearted affirmation and our blessing for them. I say that from personal experience because I know what my father's blessing meant to me. And some of you have heard me share the story, but it is part of what shaped me in terms of who I am. I have a letter from my dad. This is actually a copy of it. I, After the men's retreat, I was going to come home and get the letter out, and I forgot last night to do it, and so I have a copy of the letter that my dad sent me shortly before he died, about two months before he passed away in 1979. Uh, it's, it's valuable to me. It's written in his own handwriting. You know, I think about that too. There's something about having a letter in a person's handwriting that is so significant. Uh, you know, we today a lot of times will send emails back and forth, but I think taking the time to write a note or a letter to your child means a lot because when you see that handwriting... It's really personal, and you think about the person who wrote that. And it's something that they did. And for me, um, why this blessing was so significant was my dad was dying, and I was the youngest of our uh, family. I had three older sisters. I was just 23 at the time, and everybody thought I should take over the farm and just continue in that. And it was a good situation. Everything was paid for. Farming was good at that time. We had new machinery. We didn't have any debts. You know, could have stepped in, just taken over the farm and done that. But that's not what God had called me to do. I was on staff at that time with Campus Crusade for Christ, just out of college, and I knew that God had led me into ministry and that that's, that was His calling on my life. And I talked to my dad about that. And we had been home at Christmas time that year, and we knew he was struggling. We didn't know how much longer he was going to have in his battle with cancer. And when I got back to Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, he sent this letter, January 9th of 1979. And he talked about how good it was to have you home again. And he said, I, I maybe don't let you know, but it was good for me. I love you very much, and the work that you are doing is what we need to do to help students in this world where there are so many problems. And he had spoken to me, and he had put it in writing that God, I mean, he said, Rick, you know, anyone can farm, but if God's called you to preach, that's the greatest thing that you can do. And because I had my Father's blessing, it didn't matter what anybody else said didn't matter what neighbors said. It didn't matter what even some in our family had said in terms of thinking that I ought to take things over and just do that. I had my father's blessing. You know, that comes back to me at different times. I mean, even just this winter, I remember a night driving up here on one of those dark, cold nights in the winter, and I'm looking at the church. And some of you have commented how when you go by the church many times, there's, I mean, there's seems like there's cars in the parking lot all the time, and there are things going on all during the week. And I drove up, and this thought came to mind again, and I said, Thank you, Dad. Dad, you had a part in all of this because of what you did by your blessing on my life and the freedom and the permission that you gave me to do this. So how do we bless our children? 
How do we pass things on to them in that same way? Well, there are some specific things that we can do. It might be through prayer and the laying on of hands at a special time. It might be, um, you know, on a special occasion, we choose and we come to pray for our children. And we are involved, like I said, in raising a modern day knight, or we want to bless our daughters and we want to pray for them. You could write a letter to your son or daughter and tell them how much you love them and what they mean to you and what you appreciate about them. You could also plan a special birthday celebration. I remember when our boys were younger and growing up, Gail started the practice of writing on their birthday card some of the highlights of their year and how they were growing. And she'd put that down on one side of that card and those things will become a keepsake to them as they get older in terms of those developments and the things that God was doing in their life all along the way. They were words of affirmation. You can spend time together one-on-one, planning a fun activity or going out to talk. And finally, just love them and encourage them continually. Do it often and watch what God will do in their life. Again, these things aren't just for parents. Grandparents can do this too. You can take out your grandson or granddaughter and spend some significant one-on-one time with them as well. And you will be a part of shaping that next generation as well and their character and their dreams. And you can do this in many other applications as well. But what a joy it is to be a blessing and to be a part of seeing someone else grow in their relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you have done in my life in building these things as a value for me. And I thank you for the grace that was given to my dad who gave me his blessing. And Father, I think of those that are here today and, you know, we're all at different points. Some have heard this and have begun to practice and have been doing it. And others are going, I wish I had heard this a long time ago. And again, I just pray that by your grace we would see how we can do this starting today. To be a blessing in the life of others. To encourage and affirm and raise up a whole new generation of children who will walk with God and love you and know you. We ask it in your name. Amen.